Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. We are a Bible-believing church. We believe in the Bible. We believe it is the Word of God. We believe that it is powerful and effective for your life. And so as we read it, as we teach from it, as we look into it, we believe it's not only words on a page. We actually believe that it's God speaking to us. If you stick around here very long, you're going to find out that it's not a coincidence that one day it speaks to your soul and, and you know, it's just a one-time thing. Nobody slipped me information about you, but God is speaking to your heart and your life. So we're glad you're here. We don't believe it was by accident that God brought you here. He's moving and working in your life in wonderful ways. And so as we read, we are experiencing God speaking to us in our hearts and our minds, not by just letters on a page, but by his spirit inside of us. So as we, as we look into this, first, this book of Romans, um, it's, the, it's the first part, but it's, it's God talking about how we're saved. It's God talking about how our lives are transformed. And he begins to, he, uh, wrote, Paul is writing to this church that's in Rome. It's a persecuted church. It's in a very rough neighborhood. It's in the worst places. If you can imagine planting a church in Las Vegas or planting a church in New York City where there's, there's tons of different cultures, there's other religions, all of that stuff. And the Christians there are thriving and, uh, and the church is growing, um, but all, this, all the while they're under persecution of other people trying to squash them, silence them, even trying to kill them. And Paul writes to them, he's like, I just want to make sure you know that you're saved this way. Which seems ridiculous because it would seem like they're already saved. But it's so important for us and for the church to understand how we are saved because we as humans will often get it flipped around and backwards and, and, and we, we begin to like rely on ourselves and we begin to look to ourselves and our goodness and how, how many toys we gave away and how good we were and, and uh, how, many, how many poor we fed and how many people we housed and, and go, God, look how much we're doing. And he's like, look, those are all good things, but that's not how you're saved. Salvation comes from me it is a gift. You receive it just like Christmas, and it will change your life. And so the first part of the book, uh, Paul is trying to reinforce how we are saved. He says, look, you can't save yourself. You're not good enough. When it comes to righteousness, when it comes to being perfect like God, you cannot be good enough. right? And somewhere along the way in our lives, although we were, we were created in the garden with Adam and Eve to be perfect and with God, he, God gave us a choice. And man has continually walked away from that choice. And he says, look, you can't do it on your own, so I will save you. So this part, last part of chapter 5 is, is kind of the finale of him wrapping up what it means to really receive the gift of God and, and how it relates to your old life and your new life. So that's Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read it today. And I'm going to try my best to dissect it for you in a way that's edible, that you can uh, get it that it makes sense to you. So pray for me. Amen? All right, here we go. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, 
For if many died by the trespass of the only man, of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as though disobedience of the one man, the, man, uh, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the, so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, Grace increased the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace of God. It is life and truth. It is supernatural power for our lives. We believe, God, that you are enough in all circumstances. We know we've tried and and we are not enough. We know that you are coming in close and you see value in our lives. You reconcile, re- rehabilitate, you transform, and you give us new life. We're grateful for that, God. Help us to see you in new ways today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm a basketball fanatic. Um, basketball is, is, is kind of my sport. Um, I like it a lot. I like the teams. I like the culture. I like street ball. I like big games. I like stadiums filled with people. I like, um, in, in my day, the, the Bulls were the, the, the champions of all time, and they still are, in my opinion. Uh, and, and they had, like, the special warm-up music, or the announcement music. And uh, at 6-6, six, six, and the announcement was, dun, 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 and lights would go out, and the fog would come out, and, blah, and then the Bulls would come out, and, blah, yeah, and people would cheer. That was the most incredible time to me. I would sit around the TV, and we would watch the game, but I love good teams. Uh, before that, it was the Lakers. The Lakers were an incredible team, and uh, they were the team to beat. And then the Bulls came along, and it was Michael Jordan carrying all these hanyaks of no good. No, I'm just playing. I'm sorry, Scotty. Scotty Pippen, if you're listening to this podcast, I love you, bro. Uh, but uh, there was a great team called the Bulls, and, and they just kind of ruled the basketball for a while. And then, and then great teams like the Miami Heat came along, and then, uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James is like the dynamic duo, and it was fun to watch them. And I remember watching them thinking. Who can beat these guys? Nobody except the Spurs, okay? The Spurs came through and gave them a lashing with a wet noodle and showed them what was up, and I became disheartened in my soul towards Miami. I was like, oh, the good old days are over. But good teams are incredible. And so I, I, I love the, the Warriors. I love, I love uh, Steph Curry's work ethic. I, love, I love, just love teams that put it together and make things work. It's incredible to see people come together and work for a goal and accomplish it at the highest level. Anybody with me on that? It's, it's basketball is not like football in that football, it seems like you have one great team and it's, it's kind of done, except for Tom Brady and his crew. They like win again and again and again by cheating, of course. Yep, we get that. But, 
But basketball is, is like this camaraderie, this team that exists for longer periods of time. And I love that. Five guys on the floor just hacking it out. But um, as much as I love teams on the basketball court, we have teams in life. And, and, and so it's, the Bible is, is kind of conveying to us that we're on this team humanity. Right? And Adam and Eve were the first humans and God created them. And he gave them free will. He gave them the ability to choose what they were going to do. How do you know this? It's because he created them. He made all of the earth. He made it good. He made, he made the garden. They're existing. And he says, I want you to rule over everything on earth, to, to replenish it and subdue it, and, and to take care of, of everything that, that exists. And uh, people would say that the Adam was, was the person who got to name everything. And, and so he came up with the word giraffe, which is an English word, which is absolutely this because Adam probably didn't speak English. But... He was in charge of everything in the garden, and uh, he, he, God, God puts up two trees. He's like, here, this is the tree of life. When you eat of the tree of life, you live forever. Okay? It's, it's, it's a wonderful and powerful thing. It is, we all want life, and here is this tree. It has fruit. It's the tree of life. And over here is this other tree. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has fruit on it, and we all know, you know kind of the inside scoop that, that Eve goes over there, and a serpent beguiles her into, into eating the fruit, and Adam's standing there like a freaking idiot and eats the fruit too and ruins it for all of us. And, um, but God gives two trees. He says, you can have life, or you can have this tree of knowledge of good and evil, which I wish he would just call it the tree of death. <laughs> but he has this name, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says, the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Because man was perfect in his soul, God actually forms Adam out of dirt and then breathes into him the Spirit of God. So the very Spirit of God dwelling inside of him. And so when they eat of the fruit, the serpent gives, uh, tempts them to have the fruit. Eve eats the fruit. She's like, oh, nothing happened, okay. And then, and then Adam eats the fruit. And then, and then all of a sudden, they die. They die, but they're still alive. And what happened was they're not, their body didn't die and their soul didn't die, but their spirit, the spirit of God inside of them died. Died. And why would God do that is, is a crazy question. A lot of people have argued that over and over again. But as, as you know, and I know, that you cannot have real love, real affection, real life without choice, without free will. Like if I put you in a hole and I'm like, you love me and you just want to get out of a hole so bad, you'll love me eventually. Right? Unless you have free will. If I let you go, you come back. Like, you know what? I really love you. It's free will, right? We all love free will. We want to be wanted. We don't want to be forced. We want to be wanted. We want other people to have the freedom to choose us and we want to be chosen. Why do you think you're that way? Because God is that way. That is why. And God is love. And so he puts these trees in guards and says, Adam and Eve, I'll give you everything. Look at how good you have it. But if you eat of that tree, it's over. Because I can only sustain you under this covering. He creates everything for them. Creates a world. They have an amazing covering of their life. You know what it's like to have covering. Somebody that's always got your back. Somebody who's there for you. Somebody who provides for you, takes care of you. Somebody who's, who's with you all the time. It is, it is the nature of true relationship. Someone who covers you. And God covers them in a way that we can't even fathom. 
He creates them and then covers them. He gives them perfection in the garden. He gives them relationship. He looks at Adam. He's like, hey, everybody's got a companion but Adam. Like, let's create relationship between Adam and Eve. And, and, and everything is existing and flowing. Everything is absolutely perfect. He says, you can have this covering as long as you want. This covering as long as you want. But if you eat of that fruit, that's the day you die and the covering ends. The covering ends. And so what happens is, is Eve is walking along talking to snakes. Women, just so you know. Some of y'all are still talking to snakes. Get them out your DMs. I'm just playing. Um, but maybe you needed to hear that. That would have been from Jesus. So I'm like, mm. So she's walking along talking to snakes. Snake says, uh, what did God say? What did God say? And Eve says, well, he said, if you eat of this, we can have everything we want, but if we eat of this particular tree, the day we eat it, we will surely die. And what does the snake say? He says, you won't surely die. And then he says, what's happening is that God doesn't want you to be like him. Because if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll have all knowledge, you become wise like God, and he doesn't want that. You won't surely die. And Satan is still doing the same to you, thing to you every single day. He's saying, he's saying, what did God say? And every day you have a choice to either participate with this and go, what did, what did God say for my life? Do I believe it? Do I want to walk in it? Do I want to obey it? Do I want to love God with everything inside of me or not? What did God say? And we can even repeat it back. God said, don't do this. God said, do this. God said, walk this way. Talk this way. Musical references for you guys. And Satan wants to attack it and move you into a place of denying God's covering and walking in what you think is the right way. And many people are detoured because they are continually looking towards the thing that God said don't to do, don't do, and not realizing of the covering and the giving of gifts that God has already given. She says, you won't surely die. She eats the fruit. She sees that it's good, it tastes good. She gives it to Adam. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that they are aware that they're naked. Okay, now this is interesting, first of all, because they're, they're naked, but they don't, they don't notice anything that is weird about it. They're existing in perfect harmony. They're absolutely exposed to each other. And then all of a sudden they eat a fruit. And then it's like, oh my gosh. They begin to feel shame and nakedness. And so what Adam does is he finds fig leaves and he creates outfits for them. All right? So ladies, just imagine your husband makes an outfit for you out of trees. That's what it looks like. Okay. Sows fig leaves together. They cover themselves up, and God comes down to speak with them, just like he always does. He's living in perfect, perfect uh, covering with them still. He walks down, and he can't find them. They're hiding from God. They're hiding from God, and God says, where are you? And Adam says, we were naked, and so we hid. And he doesn't say, why are you hiding? He says, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Because before that, they lived in no shame, and now they're living in utter shame. You know the feeling of when you mess it up, and you begin to live 
in shame. You begin to live in, in places where you begin to hide and cover things that were once beautiful and wonderful, things that were full of life, and now you are living in shame. You begin to cover them up, and the Bible says, I'm sorry. God says, I'm sorry, because the Bible says they can't exist in the garden, so he has to put them out of the garden. And, the, and ladies, just so you know, um, God didn't put Eve out of the garden. Read the story again. It never says that God put Eve out of the garden. It says he put Adam out of the garden. And Eve followed. That's deep, isn't it? Okay, so you get with that later. But here, here's, here's the point. What happens is, is that we are now, because of Adam, living in a nature of self-sustainment. Okay? Before that, we're under God's covering, and God says you can choose this covering, or you can choose your own covering. And so because of Adam, and what Romans is saying, because of Adam's sin, God, sin reigns in everyone's life from that point on because he took the covering, he took humanity out of the covering. In other words, his team, team Adam, team humanity, is outside the grace of God. Outside of the grace of God. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says this. It says, For all we like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way. So sometimes we like sin, like, well, God, God's waiting for us to mess up once, and then all of a sudden it's just, it's over. It's over. Just one mess up, and it's over. It's actually us turning to our own way. What happened in the garden? It's like, we have this tree, and the snake is like, what are you going to do? Are you going to follow God, or are you going to follow your own way? And so he follows his own way. And since that day, humanity has been following their own way. Don't believe me? Here's what happens. Anybody ever have a baby? A baby is the most sinful character on the whole entire planet. Here's why. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I think babies go to heaven. I think children are, are, are saved up until an age of accountability where they can be accountable for their own life. But here's the deal. Babies are born. What's the first thing they do? Scream their head off. Right? They scream their head off until they get some food and some comfort. Anybody else like that? Like, I'm married to that person. <laughs> Screaming their head off and thinking what they want. Now they grow up and they're about one, right? They're about one. They start to figure out what they want, what they don't want. But it's all about what they want in the moment, right? They're like, uh, you know, uh, somebody comes along and takes their toe. They're like, no. They're like, ah, ah, screaming for what they want. Uh, they want comfort. They want, they want food. They want their toy. They want their nap. Everything is about them. And if you're married, then, the, the, you know, you got kids that want to just, I want to sleep with you tonight. Like, no, you can't sleep with me tonight. And they come in and they, 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 they jump in the bed and they're like kicking you in the face and, and laying their butt on your, in your head. And you're like, what are you doing in here? I have to wake up in the morning. It's all about them. The Bible says that sin is really missing God's plan and following our own plan. That sin nature is evident in us, and most people never grow up. They just grow up from, from being baby to bigger baby to bigger baby to bigger And then some of y'all are married to a big baby. Right? 
They live their life, me, 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 me. We spend money we don't have. We, we run here and, and, and live for the next fulfillment. All of these things don't ever fulfill us. Why? Because we are living on the sin team. We are living in humanity that is broken and barren. It's never whole. And so what God is saying is Adam brought that into the world. So oftentimes we look at sin and we go, well, Adam sinned and now everybody's got to be a sinner. It's like, no, God, Adam removed us from the covering and decided to use his own covering. And so since that time, we are still trying to cover our own insecurity, our own deficiencies. We're trying to cover everything in our life continually. It is the sin nature. I need something. I, 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 I need more success. I need another relationship. I need another kid. I need another, I need another thing. I need a, another car. I need another stuff. I need all of this stuff. I need more purpose. And all of that is us covering, trying to fill a place that is so broken that will never, ever be fulfilled until we get to Jesus. So when Jesus comes, one of the first things that he preaches is seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be added unto you. Right? In the garden, they had relationship. They had purpose. I bet the food was amazing. Right? We're trying. I I went to Africa and had a safari experience. I was like, you got to take me to see the lions this time. Last time I didn't see the lions, so they're driving all around trying to, Willie was driving all around to find the lions for me, and he pulls up right on some lions laying like in a bush. They're like sleeping. I thank God they were sleeping, but we were right up close to them. We paid money for that. Adam experienced that every single day. Beauty, majesty, he had everything he could ever want, but he had God first, life second. Humanity is cursed for pleasure, for wisdom, Cursed trying to find purpose and design first when God is the thing that fulfills. So he says here in Romans, he says, Adam messed it up for everybody. Because of him, everybody lives in sin. They live outside the covering. And so sin is just us going our own way. It's us going our own way. And sometimes that's really, you know, what we call big sins, right? We, we, we get way far out there. and We really mess it up. And then other times... Um, it's just little things, but it's, it's our nature when we're outside of God to look to ourselves first. And he's saying now with Jesus Christ, what happens is instead of living in sin that leads to death, Jesus Christ comes and he's what we call the second Adam. The first Adam led all of humanity. The first team was sin. And now the Jesus Christ team is the high-level, high-achieving grace of God that covers from everything that you're trying to cover in shame. He says, because of this, what happens is, is we have earned sin. Our team has worked hard to earn sin. We're really good at earning this brokenness. We're living in it continually, and it is ruling everything. And the Bible says that as Jesus came, what happens is, is he doesn't give us a wage. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He doesn't give us justice like that. He gives us justification. Justice says a price has to be paid for what happened. I just watched a movie last night about, about Ted Bundy. 
It's crazy. And all these people are shouting, he needs, we need justice, justice, kill him, kill him, kill him. And that's really where we are. Because of our sin nature, we deserve that justice. We deserve somebody outside going, you know what Brandon did. You know what Brandon did. He needs to die. It's what I've earned. It's what you've earned. It's what our lives have earned. It's brokenness. We are in death. And justice comes. But the Bible says that Jesus comes and he doesn't bring justice. He brings justification. Justification is... I know there's a price to be paid, and I'll pay it. I'll pay it. And so justification is this idea that when he pays the bill, it's just as if I never sinned. It's just as if Adam never was broken. It's just as if, just as if we never left the covering. And so he says right here, 17, for if by the trespass, Of the one man, death reigned through the one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? In one hand, death reigns. And death is still out there. Death is taking people. But in the juxtaposition, what happens is that when Jesus Christ comes in, he puts the covering on certain people who receive the gift. And the Bible says that those people will reign in life. Death reigned, but now through Jesus Christ, we're reigning in life. What does that mean, Brandon? That's really deep. It's a lot of language. I understand that. It means this, that one time in your life, you were broken and you couldn't fulfill anything. Everything you did didn't add up. You know the times. You're looking at the ceiling trying to figure out how you've done all these great things. You've accomplished all your goals. you got the hot fiance. And you're like, it's not complete. It's not complete. It's not enough. Why? Because you're made for something deeper than the body and the soul. You're made for the spirit. You can have the perfect house. You can have a perfect job. You can have the RV to take your kids across the country. That's what I want. You can have all the right vacations. You can have the great Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving. You can have nine different things going on. And you're just exhausted trying to keep up with all of the things in your life. But what you really need is the wholeness that comes from Jesus Christ. And so you're living in death or you're reigning in life. Reigning in life. And the only way to reign in life is to put yourself back under the covering of Jesus. So what does he say? He says in Romans 10, 9, he says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, raised from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved. Saved means I'm back under the covering. But most of us choose not to move under the covering because we think it's an either or. I've got to be good enough to get to goodness. I've got to experience me doing all the right things, purpose, pleasure, pain, all of these things in my life, working towards getting to a place where I feel like I'm secure. And God says, that'll never happen. So we just cover ourselves, because even though we're 
somewhat near the garden. We're somewhat near a relationship with God. We can be talking to God. But we're covering up the places that we feel are not enough. They're deficient. And so this is what he says at the end of this chapter. And King James is my favorite version. So I can get you to understand a little. Help me out, Ryan. Check out Romans 5. 20, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, I heard this verse all my life. I didn't understand it until I got a little older. That in the places of the most sin. Now, Isaiah would call that not going the way of God. We're like sheep. We're just gone astray. Isn't it amazing how we just stumble into sin? Like that baby. You grow up, be a big baby. You're just stumbling into sin. You're just going your own way. You're just trying to find your own way. You wouldn't try it. It's just the nature of humanity now. It's the team we're on. You're going to go your own way. That's sin. And you do that again and again and again. It's just the mistakes of you living out. Leave it there. I'm going to come back to it. Thanks. Uh, But where sin abounded, grace did much more about it. Now that word abounded, I had troubles with that because I just, I just thought it meant like, oh, it's, it's a lot. But the word abound comes from this, this root word, boundaries. We know boundaries really well, right? Like uh, somebody puts something on your lawn, you go over and knock on their door. I'm sorry, your grass clippings are on my side of the boundaries. Your tree fell on my side of the boundaries. Somebody comes up to you at church and they're just hugging all over you and you're like, that's a weird church. I don't know if I should go there anymore. They don't respect my boundaries. Somebody walks into your house. Hey, how you doing? Saw the door was open. Must have kids here but in the neighborhood. That's my house. What are you, what are you doing in my house? You're not respecting my boundaries and in your life you have boundaries of everything you have boundaries of your capacity how much money you can hold how much money you can manage right how many people can live in your studio apartment (laughs) you have boundaries now in our lives sometimes it seems like we can't get any worse but sin is abounding. It's outside of the boundaries. That's a lot. You've been stuck in sin. You've been stuck in cycles just over and over and over again, just going in circles. And you're like, can this get any worse? It seems like grace is, or it seems like sin is overflowing the boundaries of your life. You can't get anything right. If one thing goes wrong, the next thing goes wrong. The next thing goes wrong. And so you, you're back at the bar again. You're back in that relationship again. You're just, it's just garbage, garbage, garbage all the way down. Sin is abounding. So we live in shame. The Bible says that where sin like that abounds, it's not for you to, you know, get a big shovel. and just be like, I got to get rid of all this sin that keeps abounding. That's like bailing a boat with a hole in it. It'll never go away. He says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It's the covering. 
In other words, there's so much sin in your life that you can't just like make all your mistakes perfect. You can't go back and right all your wrongs. You have to get back under the covering. It's team Adam or team Jesus. And when you get on Jesus' team, he is the ultimate MVP. He is able to carry you to championship after championship after championship. Actually, what happens is, is you reign in life. I mean, you thought the Royals had a champagne reign. I'm telling you, baby, when Jesus is the MVP, you reign for real. And you don't have to live in shame. As a matter of fact, when people are walking around, shame on you, shame on you, shame. What Jesus says is, come on in the covering, shame off you, shame off you, shame off you. You don't have to cover anymore. I got you. And those boundaries, one version of this, I I love it so much. This is why I want to use this version. It's in the Amplified. It says, it says, but where sin abounded, grace superabounds. Every wrong you've ever did, every dark place you've ever went to, every brokenness that you've ever had to sustain over and over and over again, God actually superabounds. I don't know if you understand that, but you need to go home and ask God, what places in my life have you been covering me all this time? Because oftentimes, we are living in shame and sin. Again, we, we do one thing. We're like, you know what? I did it again. You know, I, I, I did it again. And why do I even do this? I mean, it's, I, I'm just going to live this way. It's who I am. Hopefully I can make it to heaven. You're living in a place of shame. And God says, no, no, no. If you'll let me cover you, I will super about every failure, every flaw, every brokenness, everything you've ever experienced. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. And what he wants to tell you today, what he wants to tell me today, is that at one time, death reigned. Failure reigned. Failure was the thing of your future. What's going to happen to you? I'm going to fail. What's going to happen when you get to heaven? I'm going to fail. What happens if you stand before God and says, why should I let you into heaven? I'm going to fail. He says, what happens is when you come under that covering of Jesus Christ, you start off the chapter saying that God has poured out his love in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Remember what happened in the garden when they said, you'll surely die? What happened? The Spirit of God left them. Their body didn't die. Their souls didn't die. Spirit died. And now, because of God's covering through Jesus, he is pouring out his love in your heart by his Holy Spirit again and again and again. So when you lay your head on the pillow tonight and you stare at the ceiling, you try to figure out your week, you try to figure out your holiday, you try to figure out where you went wrong, I want you to know this, that God's grace superabounds over every brokenness, over every death, and that it is his spirit inside of you that's pouring out his love, saying, I love you, I care for you, you are whole in me, I am everything, reign in life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I don't know where you've been. I don't know what your life this week has been like. Mine has been the most incredible thing that ever happened to me, I believe. And I'm here to let you know that the great things that happened in my life, not some kind of grand scheme I had, it was because I simply was able to open up my heart to God and say, would you superabound in my life? 
Would you exceed boundaries that much more? Every broken place, every time I wanted to run away from you, God, every time I wanted to to just exist in my failures and my sin, God drove me back. And he says, it's a gift, Brandon. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. You can join my team. I'll cover you. I'm with you always to the end of the earth. And he is with you too. He is here for you too. He wants to cover you too. And if you're standing there trying to cover up your insecurity with shame, your deficiency, your sin, your own way with shame and leaves, coverings of this life, God is saying, I know you got sin in your life. It doesn't scare me. I superabound over every failure so that you can reign in life. If you're here today, you say, Brandon, would you pray for me? I need to understand that in a greater measure. I want God to move in my heart in a greater measure. I want that love, that grace of God. I want Team Jesus, the MVP, to cover me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and pray for you today? Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for my friends in this room. That you would pour your grace on them your love, your covering in a new way. And Lord, heal their minds. Their minds are the biggest thing that, that, is, that is facing them. It's lying to them day in and day out, say, saying they're not enough, saying, yeah, shame on you, shame on you. And right now we break the spirit of shame on their life and say grace superabounds. We say right now that we reign in life through Jesus Christ with eternal life, full and complete And God, I pray, just show them in little ways that they are living in you. Show them in their heart. Show them in their mind. Let them exist in a new place, full of joy, full of peace, full of more than enough because of you. Super abound in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big praise today.